You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Uh, I have always loved names. Uh, it might be a weird quirk, but I love the story of names. And so uh, last week during camp, I was working parking with Caspin uh, Odell, and I said, Caspin, uh, it's such a different name. What is the, where did this name come from? And so oftentimes when I'm with new people that have a, a unique name, I'll ask them, tell me the story behind that name. And Caspin had shared uh, his dad was an over-the-road truck driver. And he had gone all over this nation, many different cities, many different places, to ocean to ocean and, and everywhere in between. And he said that his two most beautiful places he'd ever been in his whole life as an over-the-road truck driver was Casper, Wyoming, and Aspen, Colorado. And so when he saw his little boy, it was the most beautiful thing that he'd ever seen. And so he combined Casper, Wyoming, and Aspen, Colorado, and you get Caspin. And so it's just a neat story. I love these stories when you get to know people and ask about the story of their, the background of their name. Henry, for example, actually means ruler of the house. And uh, when he found that out, he proceeded to tell us all the time. He's like, we, we should eat cereal for dinner. We're not having cereal. I'm the ruler of the house. And I want to stay up. I'm like, it's bedtime, Dad. I'm the ruler of the house. We're like, oh, we're going to change your name. So, uh, but, but I love names. And so I think that's part of why I'm drawn to this story. In Exodus chapter 3, we've been doing this series called Verses, and it's looking at some of the worship songs we sing, maybe ones that you hear on the radio. But what's the biblical story behind those? Because the hope is that when we hear this song, we won't just be like, oh, I like that song, or we even sing that at our church, but that you'll be drawn to the Bible. That when you hear the song, you'll be drawn to of scripture. And so there's this song called The Great I Am. And I love that song and, and it almost brings tears whenever I listen to it. And, and I think it's because I love the, the story behind that song. This idea of the great I am. And we find that in Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus 3 and then the book of John this morning. And so uh, Exodus chapter 3, we have this story. One you probably are familiar with. It's not, it's not a, a groundbreaking news story, but it's one that we can just dive into and grab hold of and sink our teeth into. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 says, One day Moses was taking care of Jethro's sheep. Jethro was the priest of Midian and also Moses' father-in-law. Moses led the sheep to the west side of the desert. He came to Sinai, the mountain of God. If you're not familiar with the story, but you're familiar with Moses, I know Moses. He, he leads the people out of the Israelites out of Egypt, right? This is true. But this Moses, this is before that. This Moses is a Moses that's, that's broken. This is a Moses that that's, feels weak and ashamed. He's done things in his past that he's not proud of, and he's fled, and now he's just a shepherd boy or a shepherd man watching over sheep of his father-in-law out in the desert near a mountain. And so we have Moses, and he's out there, and when we first come into this story with him here, we meet him as this man that's broken, this man that's kind of lost, this man that has no self-confidence, and he's watching sheep. It says, verse 2, There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire coming out of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. So Moses said, I will go closer to the strange thing. How can a bush continue burning without burning up? 
I love this part of the story. Yeah, there's so much parts of the story that, that's great, but get this, it's just a bush, right? There's nothing special. It's, it's a bush. There's many bushes in, in this bushy area. It's just a bush, and yet God can take something so simple. And when God steps in, when God puts his hand on it, something so ordinary becomes extraordinary. This is what we're about to see in Moses' life. And an ordinary shepherd with God is going to do an extraordinary thing and lead the people out of Egypt. It's a story of our lives. The, the, the reality is we're ordinary people. There's nothing too special about us. Our, our life is just a mist, as the Bible says. But when we're with God, when God works through us, when, when we're on God, a part of God's story, we get to do extraordinary things to be part of a story that transcends time. Like this ordinary bush is now extraordinary because God's hand is upon it. It says, the Lord saw Moses was coming to look at the bush. So God called him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. There's God's presence. He's there, and God says, stop. You even need to take off your shoes because this is holy ground. And I think we take God's presence for granted so easily, right? Because God is here. Wherever two are, among, are together among him, God is there. God is in us. God, the Holy Spirit, has come inside us. We looked at that several weeks ago when we looked at the Holy Spirit. God is inside us. We are his temple. This is holy ground. Look at this part of the story and just look at the awe and look at what Moses has, is, is seeing. That he is in holy ground. This bush is burning. God's presence is here and he needs to take off his sandals. Because he doesn't even deserve to have sandals on in God's presence. That same God is inside us. This Holy Spirit, this God that, that we take for granted is inside us. It is holy. We are holy when we have Jesus, when we have the Spirit inside us. So God tells Moses about the troubles that he's seen, about Israel as being slaves to the Egypt. And, and he tells Moses that he's sending Moses to go free them. We jump to verse 10. It says, now I'm sending you to the king of Egypt. Go, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, I'm, I'm, I'm not a great man. Why should I be the one to go to the king and lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses' perspective is one that I think many of us have. That maybe perhaps when God calls us to something, when we have an opportunity to be part of something of God's story, our perspective quickly turns to ourself. What? Not, not me. There's so many better people than me. That other guy can speak better than I can. That person's so much smoother. That, that person has a better connection. Uh, you wouldn't want me to talk to that coworker. I'm not the right person for that. I don't have all the answers to talk to that, that fellow student. I, I don't know what to say if they ask a hard question. It, not me. Same thing that Moses says. He finds excuses that, that he's not the one. He's not, he's not ready. He's not prepared to be the one to, to step into this role. But God quickly corrects his perspective. It says, verse 12, God said, I will be with you. 
This will be the proof that I am sending you. You will lead the people out of Egypt. Then all of you will worship me on this mountain. This isn't about you, Moses. I'm sending you. This isn't about you, Matt. I'm with you. This isn't about you. God is with you. And so when we look at the opportunities, look at the the calling that God has on our life, the the things that he's put before us, the people he's put before us, the opportunities, and we come up with a list of excuses a mile long. It's not about us. It's about God. God is with us. So Moses says, Moses said to God, verse 13, when I go to the Israelites, I will say to them, the God of your ancestors sent me to you. What if the people say, what is his name? What should I tell them? So Moses asked this question, to go on, behalf of, uh, uh, go on behalf of the king, to go on behalf of God, would, you would have to go in the name of that, that, high, that, that king, in the name of that God. And so he's saying, what is the name that I go under? And, and for centuries they've known this name of God. But here, God, what he's, Moses is saying, what do I say? Who are you? Tell me a little bit about who you are. Give me the meaning behind your name. And we get this part. I love this part. Verse 14 says, Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am sent me to you. This is the name of God. The name Yahweh means I am who I am. He's saying this, the the Hebrew term of to be or to become. That God is the self-existing one that he's always was and he always is and he always will be. That he is able to say, I am. When we talk about what is, it's me. I am. I've been here since the beginning of time. I've been the creator of all creation. For all of us, we have something that we have to compare ourselves to. That, that I'm a father means that, uh, that I have kids in, in relation to them. I'm a husband in relation to my wife. That I'm a pastor in relation to the church. There's always a relationship to somebody, not for God. He is who he is. I am who I am. There's no relation that he has to compare himself to because he is the one that everything is compared to. How amazing is that? Yahweh. Yahweh. There's an ancient rabbi that that said this was the sound, the consonants of Yahweh is the sound of one breathing. Yahweh. And so this ancient rabbi shares that this is the sound of a baby when they are born and they take their first breath. And you hear this scream, they're screaming out, the name of God is the very first thing they do. And on our deathbed, when we breathe our last breath, The last thing we do on earth is proclaim the name of God, Yahweh. This is God's name. I am who I am. This is God's, this is what God reveals to Moses. That when the people ask, who is sending you? I am is sending. The one that created each of them. The one that created everything you see. The one that's always been and always will be has sent you. I am who I am. Not I am who you think I am. Not I am who I'm supposed to be. No, for God, it's I am who I am. The great I am. I love this story because there's two aspects to it. 
just the grandness of God and his name. That there's this burning bush, and Moses is in his presence. He has to take off his shoes because this is holy ground, and he's in the presence of the creator of everything, and the creator of everything says, this is who I am. I've been here all along. I am, the, I am who I am. I am, the, I am the definition of to be. I am who was, who is, and is to come. I am everything. And it's this grand statement in such a personal moment. Just God... And Moses, God coming to Moses and sharing with him. His grand creator wants to have this relationship with Moses. Wants to have this moment where he tells Moses, everything you see I made. Everything that it is, I am. And I want a relationship with you, Moses. We're going to do this together. And so this idea, this name of, of I am who I am, the great I am of Yahweh, is a name that we will see continue this idea of I am. It's continued on into the book of John, where now we have Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel, here on earth. And in the book of John, there are seven I am statements, seven moments where Jesus uses the phrase I am to claim that he is God. To claim this grand notion, this grand statement that the creator of everything is here among you. That the creator that always was and always will be is here with you right now in this moment. And I love this grand statement. And each one is a personal moment with someone in the book of John. And so we're going to look at these really fast and get a glimpse of these, of these I am statements. And there's these I am, seven I am statements. He says, I am the bread of life. In John 6, in chapter 6, he's fed thousands of people. They covered a mountainside and he gave them all nourishment and food. And you know that story, he breaks the bread and he breaks the fish and he feeds them all. And then he goes on throughout the day and throughout the night and the next day and the people are still following him. And they're asking for another handout, they're asking for another meal. And Jesus says, it's not the miracles that you should be following. It's the statement of who I am. It's the fact that I'm the Messiah. And he says that you were looking for physical bread, but that's not the bread that you need. He says in verse 35, says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. For us, this is just a normal English statement, but for the Hebrews that would hear this, when he proclaims, I am, they know he is taking the name of God and putting it upon himself. He's saying that I am God and I am the bread. I am who will sustain you. In those hard times, in those times we're alone, in those times when life doesn't seem to work out like we wanted when we are alone at night and tears fill our eyes because we say this isn't how it was supposed to be. This isn't what I pictured. I am the bread of life. I am what will sustain you. The one who was and is to come is also there with the people. There with you and me. It says verse 8. Or chapter 8, he meets with uh, a woman. The Pharisees have brought this woman to him, and, uh, and she was caught in adultery. 
Notice they don't bring the man as well. They just bring the woman and they place her before him, expecting to trap him in some sort of theological riddle. And he says, anyone that's without sin can throw the first stone at her. And slowly the Pharisees and the the religious leaders leave one by one. And now it's just the woman and Jesus. And he forgives her her sins, but I feel like there had to have been a continued relationship. That this woman would see this man that that didn't cast a a stone, but forgave her sins. Who loved her in spite of what she's done. At her weakest, lowest moment, not only forgave her, but pointed her to the light. Verse 12 says, shortly after this, the people that are still there among him, the woman. Jesus says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To this woman, I can just picture him reaching down and picking her up by the hand, and and he looks to everyone and says, I am the light. This lady, who everyone just saw as a sinner, who everyone saw her mistakes, who everyone saw her pain, he sees her and he forgives her, and then he points her to a different life. I am the light. For each one of us, he is the light. This is a personal relationship we have with him, that he will point us and clear the way that we know which way to go, that he is the light. John chapter 10, another I am statement. He makes this proclamation, and remember, everyone with a Hebrew ear hears the word I am and knows he's saying he is God. And so he says a statement, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. They hear this, I am, and they recall God's name. They hear, I am the good shepherd, and they think of of David, who talks about the shepherd caring for him in Psalm 23. I am that good shepherd. And what does the shepherd do for his sheep? He says he lays down his life for the sheep. Can't get more personal than that. That Jesus would be willing to die for the people listening to this. That Jesus is willing to die for the people reading this. For you and me. To die on a cross to take away our sins. This great I am is willing to die for you and me. We get another I am statement. Lazarus, his friend, has died. And he makes it to the town where Lazarus was, and there's his sisters, Mary and Martha, and they come running to Jesus, and and they're crying out in in sorrow and pain. Why, Jesus? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you come earlier? You could have saved Lazarus. And Jesus says to, to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. He says, I am the resurrection of the life. And when you see Jesus time and again stands up and and follows through with all his statements. And so he calls out Lazarus, who is dead, and he raises Lazarus from the dead because this is who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. This is what happens to us when we accept Jesus as our Savior, when we are baptized and raised again. We're brought to new life. 
He is the resurrection. This is so personal, this idea of I am, because this is the story for each one of us. This is the story for Chris and Henry today. This is the story for all of us. I am the resurrection. Another statement, John 14, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very personal statement again. There's other avenues you might try, but no one's going to get to the Father except through me. Come on in. I am the way, the truth, and life. I want to have this relationship with you. I want to guide you. I want to be the light to bring you to the Father. You believe in me as the Messiah, and you will be saved. I am the life. Then there's another statement. That he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. And this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit is in us. That he is the vine, but we are the branches. The Holy Spirit is in us, and we can do nothing apart from him. But the things that we can do with him, like that bush, do extraordinary things, even though we're ordinary people, because we're doing something for God. Something that goes beyond our story that'll echo on for generations and generations and eternity as we go and, and witness for his kingdom, as we go and serve for the Lord. He is the vine. He is flowing in us as the Holy Spirit. What a personal connection to the great I am. And so what does this have to do with us? When we look through these stories, God is consistent. Whether he's in a burning bush, or he's in Jesus, or, or he's in the Holy Spirit, God is still the same. The stories might change a little bit. The people, the characters. But all those stories are, are our story as well. Our opportunity to have this personal relationship. As the woman caught in adultery, as those that are following just to get a loaf of bread. As those that are, are learning about the, we are the branches, this is our story. It says, I am the shepherd. He's willing to do anything for you and me. It says, I am the shepherd, and he's willing to sacrifice his life on the cross for us. I am the truth and the life. What a, he wants a personal relationship with us. It doesn't get any more personal than this, that we are the way, that we, he is the way, he's the truth and the life, and the only way to get to heaven is through him. He says, I am the resurrection. We are dead in our sins, and we are raised new, alive again because of him, because of the great I am, If we get to have a relationship with him and be forgiven of our sins and live eternity in heaven. I am the light. He's the one that will guide us on how to live, how to move forward, how to walk with him. I am the vine. He is in us. The Holy Spirit, we are the branches, and the Holy Spirit is alive and active in us. I am the bread. I will, he will sustain us. When we're facing hard times, he's there. The great I am who I am. So who will be with us when we're hurting? The great I am. Who will cry with us when we're facing crushed dreams and broken promises? The great I am. Who will be with us when we get that diagnosis? I am. Who will sustain us, hold us? 
Keep us going. I am. And just like Moses, we have this opportunity when we have this personal interaction with the great I am. That we can make it about ourselves and find excuses. Or we can make it about the one who was and is and is to come. We can get on board with where he's leading. Where is God guiding you? Where is God guiding me? Our purpose of our life isn't just to meander through day by day, but the purpose is to, to pr- give God glory, to find opportunities to praise him, to lift up his kingdom. Where has God given you that opportunity? Today, tomorrow, the next week. How can we bring glory to the great I am? There's one final I am statement that I wanted to share from the book of John. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's John chapter 18. He's already had his last supper with his disciples, and and they've gone on a walk, and and he's prayed, and he knows the final moments are here. And as the soldiers come, he's heard this group of soldiers marching and headed their way. And as they come, he asks, who are you looking for? says, we've come for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus replied, I am he. One final time, he says, I am. And at this, it says, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell on the ground. These are the Gentile unbelievers. And at the name of God's name, at Jesus proclaiming it's who he is, that he is God, it is so overwhelming that they step back and fall over. This is holy ground. I am who I am. So this great I am who makes Gentile soldiers fall, the great I am who lifts up a sinful woman and forgives her, the great I am that speaks in a burning bush, the great I am that gives us bread, the great I am that reaches out and says, remain in me, this great I am is the great I am that wants a relationship with you and me. How amazing is that? The great I am. And so this morning, we're going to close with this song. A powerful song proclaiming the name of God. And and I just want to call us to, to reflect on the holiness of what this is. That God is there in this burning bush and he steps aside and he tells Moses, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. That this morning we are in God's presence. That this morning and every moment God is residing in us and this is holy ground. This is the place that we would know and that we would realize that God, the creator of everything, the creator of, the, of all of time, the God that was and is and is to come, is the same God that wants a relationship with you and me. Isn't that crazy? That I think uh, what an uh, insignificant, just blip on the map of time that, that I might be. That same God who is willing to come in a burning bush wants a relationship with me. That same God that fed the thousands with a couple loaves of bread wants a relationship with you. That same God is the great I am. If you'll stand and pray with me. God, we thank you for your love 
and care. God, we thank you that you came in that burning bush. God, that you came to earth in the form of your son. God, thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That you died for us and rose again. God, we thank you that you are the great I am.